In this episode of the Painless Pain Management Podcast, featuring Jordan Novosel, former high school star athlete who suffered debilitating injuries during football and who reached out to share his story after over a decade of recovery. If you're not fully focused, your body's vulnerable. You know, one slip up could be a broken leg. So yeah, I definitely think we should learn how to meditate and control our thoughts because like I said, that's where it all starts. It starts right in the head. Painless seeks to help pain sufferers learn more about techniques and therapies to help them live lives with less pain so they can do what they love to do every day. My name is Megan Van Buren and welcome to today's show. Football injuries in high school athletics have been a topic of discussion in recent years. Alarm over injuries and even deaths in high school football have caused high schools around the U.S. to cancel their football programs over the past decade. An information resource put out by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services said it is estimated that over 1.4 million injuries occur annually over nine sports at the secondary school level and about 209,000 injuries occur annually at the collegiate level spanning 25 National Collegiate Athletic Association sports. According to the National Institutes of Health, common youth sports injuries include sprains and strains, overuse, repetitive motion, and traumatic injuries. Not only have high school athletics, along with the pressure high schoolers face to be competitive and the best in their sport and school, um, top of their class to get into the best colleges has really fueled injuries from overuse and stress, but in part, they have also fueled the opioid epidemic since at least the 90s. In his book, Dreamland, which I've mentioned before, Sam Quinones calls out that one high school after the game's some of the trainers pulled out a large jar and handed out oxycodone and oxycodone and hydrocodone pills, as many as a dozen to each player. Later in the week, a doctor would write players prescriptions for opioid painkillers and send student aides to the pharmacy to fill them. So obviously, high school injuries can have more than just the consequences of these athletes dealing with pain potentially for the rest of their lives. Not to say that these, I'm not arguing if these athletics should exist or not, but the consequences are there. I participated in many sports as well, and gymnastics has caused me many years of back pain to say if I would or would not have done gymnastics still, I cannot say. Um, I think it was still very good for me to learn the discipline gymnastics taught me. And I think it's very great for all of these athletics and sports to help students and people in general to learn discipline and learn how to stay healthy and really happy and balanced in their lives. If you Google high school sports and injury, though, you can read countless stories of teams 
that have had so many injured players at once that they've had to forfeit seasons or games. Our guest for today is no stranger to the injuries that high school sports can present either and the chronic pain that can haunt you for a lifetime after your injuries. Jordan Novosel was a former football, baseball, and track star back in high school and even coached football. Now, after having nerve graft procedure, partial Oberlin procedure, and a nerve transfer after a brachial plexus injury, and years of recovery and trying to find solutions that help him live his best life, he's finally able to live better and reached out to Painless to tell his story and provide hope for listeners. Welcome, Jordan. Hi, how are you doing, Megan? Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for joining. Um, can you tell us more about your injury than what I just introduced there? Yeah, uh, so I had a brachial plexus injury, and the brachial plexus is the nerve pass from the neck down to the shoulder that goes down to the arm. I tore C5, C6, and C7, uh, shredded in half, as I was told. But more so, I also found out when I went to Philadelphia, I went to Shriners Hospital in Philadelphia, Dr. Scott Cozy, uh, he explained to me what a stinger actually is. And anyone that plays football is very familiar with a stinger. Uh, the arm goes numb. It's kind of like you hit your, your elbow, funny bone. But what a stinger actually does is it stretches the nerve bit by bit. And I was at a point in my career, I like calling it a career, it makes me sound pretty professional in my eyes. But in my high school career, I had on average three stingers of practice to the point where, you know, I actually asked for a break and I was never the type of athlete to take myself off the field. So if I'm asking for a break, something must be pretty serious. But over time, I stretched, I stretched, I stretched those nerves. And um, the second game in my senior season, we were playing Chambersburg there at Mansion Park Stadium out to the PA. And it was the first possession of the third quarter. And I remember clear as day, it was a toss to the right. And the alley opened up. And as I came running up to make a tackle, I hesitated. Um, the first time I can think off the top of my head, I hesitated to make a tackle. But being who I am as an athlete, I still expected myself to explode through this guy. And I still tried. And as I did, anyone that knows the game of football is a game of leverage. I lost the leverage due to hesitation. And in doing so, I, I took the majority of the blow. And on the film, you can see my knees buckle and instantly just spiraled to the ground. Um, when I was laying on my back, I felt as if my arm was buried in sand directly behind me, as if it was the bottom part of a T, and my body laying flat with the top part. And I remember Claire's day, one of my good buddies at the time, Jake Duranik, uh, came up to pick me up off the ground. And, you know, his words were, get up, buddy, we need you. And my exact words was, mom is paralyzed. I then stayed in the next two plays, uh, being a gridiron star, you know, you're not going to take yourself out. So I stayed in the next two plays, and you can see me trying to make a tackle on the pullback as he comes running up the middle from free, perhaps at the free safety position. And as I shot for his legs, only one of my arm went forward, and you can see me just slide down like a pole, and he scampered in for the touchdown. So then I came off the field being it was my time to come off the field. 
Uh, that's I mean, that's pretty normal for any athlete that's pretty diehard. You're not going to take yourself off the field. Uh, more so, it's probably why I got the severity of the injury that I did. They're completely severed uh, in half, C5, C6, C7. But uh, ultimately, it was due to a stinger after stinger, which led to nerve damage. Yeah, I imagine when you're a teenager and you feel like you're at the top of your game, you're kind of the game hero and you don't think about those long-term consequences. You just keep driving forward. Um, I would imagine many teenagers on the field would, in your shoes, would have kept going like you did. So but how, how did it feel as a teenager being at that point in your, you know, you said high school career, dealing with pain and being handicapped? from the field after that experience? I mean, I won't, I won't sugarcoat it. It was the darkest time of my life. You know, 18 years, not, not a solid 18 years, but I was, I just turned 18 a couple months after that. And you, know, you have this set plan of what you're going to do in the future. And not going to be wrong. I had backup plans, but those backup plans were all now altered because it involved physical activity. And I'm no longer able to do that this quest. So you, you watch your whole world that you work for. I mean, I'm up 5 a.m. before school going to pro care, pushing 45-pound plates across the gym for speed, lifting. I go to school. I get out of school, go right to baseball practice. In the, uh, no, I'm, I'm sorry. I apologize. I go straight to the uh, field house for indoor track practice. And immediately walk over to the B building when I was done to get baseball practice. Get home about 9.30. I'd uh, get back to sleep and get to wake up and do it all over again. You know, it's a lifestyle. Anything you want to do in life is a lifestyle. So at that point, I'm 17 years old and day in, day out, I'm creating this lifestyle I want to live that ultimately was stripped of me uh, due to poor circumstances. It, easily, it was the darkest time of my life. You go from being top of the world and everybody asking you where you're going to go to school to play football. Uh, and then the question turns into, how's your arm doing? Uh, it's you know it's little things like that that you know for example say you said that to me you walk go about your day you forget about it me I go to the next person they say the same thing I'm reminded about it every person I see because you know everyone did recognize me from sports and I'm wrong very grateful for that and I it, I thrived on that energy it made me who I was but it was ultimately my downfall because I was not that person and I didn't know who I was not only did I know who, not know who I was but I didn't know what I was going to do, nor what I wanted to do. So I turned 18 years old and was, you know, kind of urged to go to college against my will, just because I, you know, everyone was worried about my career and what I was going to do. And when I went to school, it just all kind of spiraled downhill with surgeries and depression. And I was doing something I wasn't really sure I wanted to do. In the back of my mind, I'm a 17 year old or 18 year old kid at that time, so never giving up hope. And ultimately, I know the hope shouldn't be I want to play sports again, but I want to get my arm back. That's always been there. But I just know who I am as a person, too. I, if I get it back, I'm going to take it all the way. Not saying I'm going to go play football again, but I ran a 5K with my arm in the shape as it is now. So what's my limits? I don't know. I'd like to test it. Back then, I wasn't thinking like that, obviously. But, you know, it's, in hindsight, it's easy to see. But easily, it's, I can say it was the darkest beginning of the darkest time um, yeah it, it spirals whenever you're dealing with uh pain and then injury and really that shift in 
focus of what you've been gearing towards for your own goals for your whole life, um, it can cause that spiral of depression. Sometimes what we need in overcoming injury is to be able to reset our own goals for recovery and to find silver linings in what we're going through. I know you just said, you know, in hindsight, looking back, maybe it's easier to say, but um, talk to me now as you, as you are, as it's been um, probably over 10 years since then about what goals did you form for yourself? Like, you know, running a 5k um, and, you know, those small steps and the silver linings you've found through your recovery. Yeah, the, the silver linings are definitely there. More so in my situation, they didn't really appear until years later due to I was a product, you're a product of your environment. And when I went to school, I didn't, you know, I was, you're very isolated in college to where you have to be a grown up. You have to make your own decisions. And, you know, I was definitely not mature enough to handle that at the time. I, um, 11 years later, I can admit that. September 11th, 09. Think about that a lot because I'm a whole different person. Uh, I didn't have, wasn't goal oriented. You know, the world was over to me. And anyone will tell you I was very careless. I mean, you can see it. You know, it's like that quote you see checking in on your happy friends because you were the most upset. Now, I don't want to, I'm not trying to toot my own sad song here, but there's a reason why I'm a goofball. There's a reason why I goof off and I can make people laugh because I know what it's like to not laugh. I know what it's like to have almost like your soul ripped out of you, who you are as a person. Very, very uh, demoralizing. You don't know, you don't know which way's up. And yet that's my first goal was to find which way was up. And it was just through roads of failure, roads and roads of failure and poor decisions due to being in a poor environment. Um, all my friends that I hung out with, that, you know, I would, pretty much manifest our goals together and what we wanted to do as a group, our future. They all went their separate ways. So now I'm sitting in a position where I don't want to be, not only that, but I can't it was hard for me to be happy for my friends because, you know, I'm not gonna fight the jealousy. I'm I'm human. I would it's not that I was jealous of them. I was jealous of the opportunities they had, knowing that they are right in front of me and here I am below ground level in my eyes. I have to dig myself up to ground level to have a chance at an opportunity. Uh, you know, right away, you, you feel, you feel that, I wouldn't say pressure, but you just feel that emotion from people where they look at you differently. Um, being handicapped, you know, all oh, things don't hurt yourself. I'll oh, do this. Like at work today, you know, I don't carry that, but I'm, I'm in shape. I'm a division one athlete. In my eyes, I was a division one athlete. I can carry this box at 75 pounds, you know. And it's very small, but like I said, you hear that from everybody and you start to take notice of it. You're like, oh, you start to notice people are looking at you differently. You know, people do look at my arm. So, you know, you get put in this dark place to where you're not thinking goals. You're not thinking future. You're thinking now. You're thinking, what can I do now? Because this is now. I'm, I'm dealing with this now and I'm going to be dealing with this now for a long time. And the answers just weren't there for me, if I'm being quite honest. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a cool world to everybody. We all have our story. And, you know, it's one heck of a story, I'm sure. Um, I'm no different. I have my story. I've, I've made mistakes that ultimately I've learned from. Um, I'm no angel, I'm sure. It's hard to be in this world. There's a lot of distractions to keep you off case of your goals. And let's just say I found them. 
Uh, when you go to a point in your life where you don't go to a doctor's office and all of a sudden you're there every chance you get, it's a whole different lifestyle. And it's a lot to take in as an 18 year old trying to understand where you're at in life when you don't even have many people you can relate to to give you an idea of what's the problem. The very first doctor I talked to was here in Altoona, the emergency room. Uh, and it's pretty funny because he kept pulling my arm up in the emergency room and he kept telling me to hold it there. And he kept dropping. And I looked at him and he said, I'm not, he said, I'm not going to help you if you do not cooperate. Well, he didn't know it was paralyzed. I looked at him and said, if I could hold it up, buddy, I would still be on the field, you know. That's just emotion coming out. It's kind of rude of me to say, but he later then, the next day, told me I would never move my arm again. You know, that was his exact word. We'll never move it again. And of course, my exact response was, okay, so I can suit up next week. Let's be in a little goof as an 18-year-old. It was hard to watch my family cry, and I didn't, I didn't break a tear. I didn't break an emotion, you know, just because I was so numb to it. So it's definitely hard to be oriented when you don't have a feeling of happiness. I wasn't happy. I went to a psychologist about it and he even said, you know, there's people that just won't talk about it. Uh, you seem like the person you have an understanding of what's going on, but you feel helpless and you just want to open up. That was me. I didn't open up, but I, I isolated from the world and watched everyone who was goal-oriented go after and conquer their goals and it just put me down a spiral. Yeah, and I... I, I can relate to some extent my whole world didn't change upside down but like I said I battled with a lot of pain in my high school days too from having undiagnosed celiac disease chronic back pain shoulder injuries from gymnastics and swimming would not wish those things on anyone but looking back they made me who I am today um they made me forming um painless and my mission with um painless pain management um, and I'm more resilient person, which has made me a better salesperson. Um, and all these experiences have affected my relationship with God and my faith because I needed hope in those times. Uh, what do you look back on and realize has come to you that's good through your experiences with injury and pain? Well, one good thing that I've really grown fond to, I really enjoy it. I listen to the body. The body speaks to you, and uh, it's not going to lie. Your intuition is real. So I do like to experiment with the body, whether it's healing, whether it's diets, like uh, nutrition. More so, uh, like you said, I got connected with God. You know, I lost faith. And that's a spiral you can't get out of too. So like I said, it's a dark time. And I'm very grateful for that. Uh, I thank God every morning when I wake up. I really do. Uh, because of where I was, and God has taken me out of that dark cycle. Easily, God's definitely up top too, and more so number one, what I've learned. And I do encourage that to anyone who is going through tough times, uh, seek God, and you will find yourself within God, I promise you that. Absolutely, it definitely helps to have something like that to focus on and you mentioned nutrition there and being aware of your body you and I have talked about that a good bit do you want to allude to how nutrition and what you put in your body has really helped you to you know start regenerating your movement and your arm absolutely um, it was a tough road 
to get to where I am now. Like I said, it was roads of failure. Uh, one of the biggest differences now is obviously switch of diet. And what I was doing beforehand was just being normal. You know, whatever the household had for food, that's what I was eating. Uh, whatever was for dinner, that's what I was eating. Well, whenever you start to gain weight like that, you're eating when you have the right side of your body, which is now compensating for a, a limb that's not holding its share, uh, that extra weight, you feel it. Uh, it's just hanging there and it starts to pull on your face. And so right away you have to fix that. And uh, one of the biggest things I can say is drink nothing but water. I drink uh, multiple gallons a day. Uh, obviously, people have their specific water they want to drink. I'm one of those people too, so I'm not judging anybody there. Everyone knows there's a different taste in waters. But water is the number one. Uh, we are about 75% rough, roughly water as human beings. There's a reason why water does what it does. It hydrates us. Uh, it definitely keeps you up to eat enough far of what's going on with your body. Uh, I've, I went vegan. I stopped eating meat because I, I researched uh, some doctors and they said about how digestive system put forth, uh, puts forth energy towards digesting meat. It takes a while and that's why a lot of people get colon cancer because meat gets stuck in their digestive uh, tracts. So that being said, I eliminated meat because in doing so, what we, it would allow the body to put forth that energy that it would put towards digestion towards healing itself because the body does heal itself and you can prove that by any laceration if you cut yourself it's going to heal it may take a little bit if you're healthier with a healthier lifestyle the next that's, that might scab up the next day but ultimately i did that for two years and uh i feel i felt like i couldn't go any further with it and the next step was to put muscle on so i looked into the complete opposite and I'm no expert in all this. I'm just, I'm human. I'm just trying to see what works for me. And now I'm in the process of being a carnivore, uh, on the carnivore diet, nothing but meat. I will tell you, I'm full of energy. I am full of energy. It's, it's miraculous. More so, I've seen more growth in my arm than I have in the last 11 years in this past six months being uh, carnivore. And what I've read for it to actually do is it creates blood flow and blood flow eliminates the inflammation in the body and the mucus and all the fluids that foods create that take up space uh, which then blocks blood flow which is what you need to contract muscles so if i got rid of all the extra inflammation and just put blood flow in there i figured i could build my arm back i'm actually watching it happen i get complimented all the time well wow you're using your arm a lot more the bicep has a vein popping out again i mean it's it's very miraculous nutrition water if you don't look into that it's just like when they say if you're depressed it goes hand in hand with your nutrition and your lifestyle if you're not working out and you're not eating right you're not giving yourself a fighting chance and i wasn't giving myself a fighting chance for a long time yeah and um thank you for sharing that i think that's it's really helpful and and just highlighting there that just because you you read and try one thing and maybe that works for you for a while, your body's constantly changing, right? So maybe yep. some diet's working for you for a while, but you have to change it up or maybe try something and that doesn't work. Like it, it, we're not one size fits all human beings. <laughs> like everyone's so, so different. So I appreciate you pointing that out. 
And I know, I know you're a spiritual person as well. How have you found hope through your spirituality? Um, and at what points um, did you feel hopeless? And, and how did that help you kind of resurface after feeling like you were underground, as you said? Well, I've read a lot of people's spiritual experiments and it kind of relates to mine in a sense where you go through a spiritual awakening through triumph and adversity. And I, I guess, like I said, I'm no stranger to that. Whether I put myself in that position or not, I'm no stranger to it. And eventually you start to pick up on things because you've been down that road and you start to get signs. And anybody that's had a spiritual uh, event happen to them or an awakening happen to them, they start to see a reoccurring sign, whether you just actually saying four, 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 one, two, three, you start to believe in that because you start to pick up on it and then you start to wonder what you can learn from it, what it's trying to tell you. It's it sounds very far fetched, but you start to follow these signs and you start to have doors open up. Uh, you start to manifest what you're what you're trying to. It's just a matter of being guided down the right path because we're each day we're faced with a decision. No matter what that decision is, you have to make a decision. There's consequences to your decisions. And it's those decisions are backed by intent. If you have a cruel intent, that's what you're putting into the world. That's what's coming back to you. If you have a good intent, you have you know good energy behind it, and you want to take it in a good manner. You know you're going to get that reciprocal back to you, and uh, that's where you start to learn about spirituality. And it's real. It's 100% real. I mean, anyone who experiences it, it's hard to explain it, but as you explain it, you know what I'm getting at. You know? it's, everyone experiences it in their own way but I, there's signs throughout your journey there's signs absolutely one thing that i've started to incorporate in my mornings is a routine of meditating for about 10 to 15 minutes and then i write down what is my intention for the day how does my mind feel how does my body feel how Am I in touch with my intuition? And then I check back and say, how does that relate to yesterday's intentions and what I needed for my body? Did I make any changes towards that? And I think that that, and also I, I write down what I'm grateful for at that time too. And I think, you know, having the meditative state beforehand allows me to then move forward. And also actually one of the things I've begun asking myself right after meditation is what are my deepest innermost values? And it's really interesting that that can really change day by day. And right after you meditate, you're not supposed to really like think about what those values are. You just kind of spit out what the first thing is on your mind. Um, And that can really help you, I think, with your intentions, help you realize what you're grateful for and focus your attention away from your pain. All right. I mean, you hit it. You're hitting it right in the head. It's, it's all about focus, you know, what you're focused on. And you know, it's good habits are more addicting than bad habits. And everybody's accustomed to bad habits in this world just, just because it's everywhere you look. I mean, whether it's entertainment or what, anybody who's religious especially, you know, sees through some of this stuff where it is kind of has some cruelty to it. It's humorous, but it's the world we live in. It's acceptable, supposedly. But uh, more so, what I'm getting at is, if someone has 
everyone has their own. It's all situational. Like you meditate in a certain way. I met you and I do. I wake up 3 a.m. and I write. And I call it, I call it the Da Vinci hours, you know, because when you're on Da Vinci, it's very you know, sleeping very uh, two hours at a time, uh, three hours, whatever it may be. So I call it the Da Vinci hours. I wake up and I meditate. What I used to do before a football game, I didn't realize I was meditating at the time, but for every game, everyone knew not to take my headphones off uh, because I was listening to music and I pictured the game. And I pictured every play, first quarter of the end, until it was time to play. And I took that off and we were walking out and I was meditating. You know, I was meditating what was going to happen. And so if it happened, I knew what to do. So now what I do is I wake up in the morning and I do the same thing. I picture what I'm going to do throughout the day to better my arm and picture what I want to do and how I'm going to do it. And then you know, I go after it. I write it down. So you should write it down. You have it written so it's physical. You have to look at it every single day. You attack your subconscious mind the way that the world attacks your daily. You know, just replace it. Focus on your goals. Focus on what you need to do. And it does take practice. It's not easy. You know, 3 a.m. comes early. It really does. But it's a beautiful thing when you get it down. Good habits are more addictive than bad. And that's what we need to push. We need to push that message. What other methods uh, besides, you know, nutrition that you've talked about, meditation, uh, your, your faith and spirituality, have you tried over the past 11 years since your injury to manage the physical and emotional pain? And what were some of the best methods that you found that maybe you want to share with other listeners? The best methods, I mean, it's just looking at the human body. It's nutrition, water. I mean, keep it simple. I mean, I wish we had a blueprint to the human body. And people would see how simplified it could be and people make it so complicated. Uh, as well, I, I see a chiropractor, uh, Dr. Don Gell, chiropractic here in Altoona, PA. I mean, he's been my right-hand man, my right-hand man. She said he runs the 5K with me every year. Uh, but the spinal cord is your central nervous system. Those nerve flows are coming down from the brain, so we have to protect that, that moving because movement is good. Movement is blood flow. Any idle space and idle time is not good, you know, you'll start to freeze it up. So keeping your back and your spine aligned is everything because that's the central nervous system. Uh, massage therapy on top of that, uh, yoga, you know, meditation. I mean, it's just everything about the human body. I mean, mind, body, and soul. Our body is a temple. We should treat it like that. You wouldn't put 87 gas in a Porsche. I don't understand why we put this poison nonsense food in our body and expect results from yeah i think people spend oftentimes more money on their car than they even do their body um yeah. which w what's a car going to do without someone to run it well these days who knows i guess smart cars could run themselves but i don't know if they're going to get anyone anywhere if there's no body in it <laughs> i come from big tech that's a whole different topic <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you're obviously a different person than you were when you first got injured. And as I would say, anyone who's experienced a trauma that changes the course of what they thought they would do, um, what and what you think is in your future. So what's the best advice you'd give for others, um, maybe other high school athletes and other pain sufferers who have experienced a life-altering injury? You know, being someone who's failed so many times like you think I'd have the best advice 
Uh, my advice would be something simple. Keep an open mind. Uh, you don't know everything. As much as I think I do, I don't know everything. And, and you should try something new as much as you can because doing something new brings failure, which brings learning. And that's what we should do. We always we, we kind of plateaued our learning. Things are so simplified in this world for us where we don't seek out to learn. Uh, people get comfortable with what they do and it's made to make you comfortable with it. It's where you become idle. And if you're idle, you're not growing. We need to grow more. We need to connect. We need to learn. So I would definitely say, uh, put your phone down. Definitely put your phone down and you know, go out and learn. Go out and meet somebody. Find a different perspective other than yours. Because that's what this world is. It's full of different people and different perspectives with a lot of similarities. And somehow we fail to see that because we're so isolated from each other. As much as we're not, we are. You know, we're hiding behind screens these days. Uh, I, I definitely encourage you this day and age to learn about yourself, learn about someone else, you know, be open, open-minded. I love that. And I think that goes far beyond listeners that are dealing with pain on this podcast, um, that you need to get out there and learn different perspectives and continue to educate yourself and talk to others and be open-minded. Obviously, we need more of that in our world. And one of my final questions, what's your opinion of um, high school athletics? Should stronger precautions be taken? Should sports with high rates of injury be eliminated altogether? Well, this is definitely a big topic across sports world, especially with football. You see role changes being made in the NFL and college level. Um, you can make a fair catch. You said 25 now in college. You could fall to 25 on the kickoff. Uh, so you're seeing they're taking precautions, but it's a contact sport. It's a full contact sport. And I mean, I'm sure you'll get this answer from any football player. You know what you're signing up for. So let's revert back to what you say sports brings. And it brings discipline. So what we need to do is we need to have the right coaches in line and know what they're teaching. They're teaching discipline. They're not teaching this play. They're teaching what you have to do on this play. You have to be disciplined to do your part because he has to do his part. Once you get that discipline factor down, you get to mechanics, which mechanics is all discipline. Uh, there's one thing in football I prided myself on. Uh, there's no false steps. Every step I take, I want to take. That cuts down on any lapse of time where I'm going. You're straight to the ball, but you have to be very disciplined for that. Um, discipline builds the mind, and you can take it a far way, but in order to protect the injury, you know, discipline is going to be the answer. And people are tackling with poor form. Uh, they're, seeing, they're seeing hits on TV that are amplified by media. They want to have that big hit. They want to knock someone out. And I understand. I mean, I did that in my whole career. That's why I got hurt. Obviously, I didn't get hurt hugging people, you know. <laughs> I wish. But uh, you want to be that guy. But in order to have your body go the whole way, it's going to be discipline. And so many factors. Discipline is going to be like mechanics, your practice, your lifestyle, what time you go to bed. It's just the discipline of making good habits. And that goes the whole way into sports. Uh, that's why they practice as much as they do. That's why they have three-a-day training. It's to build discipline. Uh, I think I think the coaches know that. I just think people are so lost because the sports have grown so much with technology because we're so connected with each part of the world. 
In the United States, they want the best athletes they can get, whether it's college, even high school recruits now, uh, to the pro level, to where we're uh, we're trying to amplify our skill in a way that is hurting us because we're overlooking the simplicity of mechanics and discipline and how far they can take. Uh, for example, I had my official release the other day, and she had me walk around the room to judge my body. And, you know, with my body being as lopsided as it, as it is, you can tell you know, I'm compensating places. Well, I went off topic and I said, whenever I started explaining the feeling I get when I get in this position, and I went to a wide receiver stance, you know, put the left leg forward, buckled it, and leaned on it. And she looked at me and told me to stop. She said, it honestly looks like you were born to be in that position. And she's like, what I mean by that is you struggled walking around with compensation. Whenever you went to that position, you had no problem. Your body, even your right arm went up and it went right to what it should be. That's muscle memory. It's muscle memory built over discipline over the years. Uh, your mind, your body, your muscles, they all communicate. So if you can have them communicate within the discipline realm, uh, you know, there is no confusion you, you prevent injury. And that's why they teach mechanics. That's why they, they teach you how the proper way to do things. Because there is science. There actually is science. Now, do you think that given one of your biggest silver linings maybe in, in coming out of this injury is driving and building your own self-awareness that athletics in college and high school and the directors or coaches that are involved should incorporate more meditation, yoga, other other methods that may help athletes build their own self-awareness so that when it comes time to know whether you take yourself off the field or drive forward and potentially injure yourself, um, that, that you can make those decisions because you know your body more. Yeah, uh, I definitely agree with that. It's funny you say that as a buddy of mine, he graduated with my brother. He's playing for the San Francisco 49ers right now. And before the season started last year, he messaged me on Instagram. Uh, I was a coach when he was in the junior high. So, I've, I mean, I've known him. I've been around him in the weight room. He's a tremendous kid, tremendous kid. And he asked me for advice. And I was very, I was very flattered. You know, he asked me for advice. I said, buddy, you made it further than me, you know, uh, so I was flattered, but I, one thing I told him, the only thing I told him was to take care of your mind. And I know it didn't really sit in well with him then because, you know, he didn't experience what I experienced. But overall, you learn that it all starts in your mind. Whether, no matter what you do, you, you touched on it. You have intention behind your action. Well, your intention and your action are driven by your thoughts. So, yeah, I do think we should meditate. I do think we should get our thoughts in order because we are going to manifest those thoughts one way or another. We're going to put that energy out into the practice field and, you know, your thoughts are going to dictate how you act and going to dictate your emotions. What are you thinking about? You know, do you have trouble at home right now? Are you distracted by a family dispute? And now you're going to a full contact sport practice where if you're not fully focused, your body's vulnerable. You know, one slip up could be a broken leg. So, yeah, I definitely think we should learn how to meditate and control our thoughts because, like I said, that's where it all starts. It starts right in the head. Awesome. 
Well, thank you, Jordan. Do you have any final words of advice from your story, which um, you've so kindly and willingly shared? Honestly, I love what you're doing, Megan. Uh, when I found out when we moved to Colorado, I was thrilled. It's beautiful out there. And then I saw what you were doing with the podcast. I was so excited. The world is changing, as we can see, and people are starting to ask these kind of questions. And you know, I've been living it the past 11 years, waiting for you know just some kind of guide. And I'm starting to pick up on the guide. Everyone's starting to fall in line with me. I love it. So my word of advice is, you know, check, like I said, check out perspectives. Everyone has a different perspective. We don't see the world the same way as the next person. And once you begin to open up a different perspective, you start to see your own world differently and gratitude comes in. You start to be grateful and uh, it's just, it's a whole better feel. It's, it's better for the human soul. It really is. And that's how we will become painless is by just seeing the world a little bit differently, maybe. That's it. Cool. Thank you, Jordan. Hey, thank you, Megan. I really appreciate the opportunity. The thoughts and perspectives in this podcast are not meant to act as medical advice. Please consult your doctor before trying the methods discussed in this podcast to determine if they'd be helpful for you. For more podcasts, check out Painless Pain Management wherever you get your podcasts or at www.painlesspainmanagement.com.